0: Welcome to Data-Driven Recruiting. In this podcast, we talk about strategies and techniques for leveraging objective talent data to improve hiring processes.
1: Welcome back to Data-Driven Recruiting. My name is Sophia Beck, And this is my co-host Tigran Sloyan.
0: Hi. So today, we're talking about the top five mistakes in technical recruiting. I'm excited about this topic because there is a lot of really interesting insights that I don't think a lot of recruiting teams realize.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so let's start with uh, number five, looking at resumes before technical interviews.
0: Exactly. So what is a technical interview? There's a reason it's called a technical interview, and that reason is that it's aimed to measure technical ability, Mm -hmm. so nothing else, right? Not like, why are you interested in this job? What have you done before? Yada, yada, yada. So if it's aimed to measure technical ability, that means you don't really need to know like their background. You don't need to know what school they went to. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know what company they came from, et cetera, et cetera. And by knowing all of those details, you actually get in there being very biased. Right. So if with somebody, you know, if they made a mistake, you would have given them a hint. Uh, with somebody that you come in with a. Bias that for some mm-hmm. reason you don't like the school they went to or something else like yeah. they're not like you, you're yeah. gonna be way more harsh or way more easygoing in your right. interviews.
1: And so. like it brings us the unconscious like they're just we are just inviting the unconscious bias into, into the, the room. room. Into room. Into the yeah, interview. so let's not let's not invite the unconscious bias. We don't like them. Exactly. All right, number four, mm-hmm. not having a clear plan on which interviewer is measuring which skill.
0: Exactly, so this is about on-site interviews, right? Mm -hmm. So when you come into an on-site interview, there is usually multiple uh, people running the interviews. So right. like usually three, four, or five engineers who are going to be conducting interviews. Mm-hmm. And companies who haven't been doing this a long time and haven't thought about this really usually say, well, let's just get four interviewers. Everybody go think of your own questions. Mm-hmm. Go ask the interview, and then we get together and say, so what did everybody think? Yeah. Uh, what you, ends up happening is there is way too much overlap on the things that got measured and right. not enough wide coverage. Mm-hmm. so. Let's say you're measuring someone's ability to write JavaScript, you know, you didn't really touch on, like, did you touch on their problem-solving ability using JavaScript? Did you touch on their quality of code, their ability to, like, look up and learn new things, right? right? So, like in advance, figuring out what matters to you, and mm-hmm. being able to say, "You're measuring this one. You're measuring this one. You're measuring this one," right. and then we come back to the room. Each one is going to say, "Here's what I've measured. Here's what I've measured. Here's what I've measured." So now we have a collective view mm-hmm. of what this person On a more can
1: comprehensive do. skill set, instead of because yeah, like. In the thirty-minute, one-hour interview, you cannot measure everything as one person. So Absolutely, you gotta divide cannot. and conquer. So little planning in advance exactly. will go a long way in this case. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Number three, letting interviewers see each other's feedback before writing their own. Exactly. Oh, this so, is huge.
0: This is huge because you won't believe how much influence others people's uh, opinion has on yours. Right. Mm-hmm. So like there is almost every single applicant tracking system has a proper permission system that allows you to hide feedback from other interviewers. And that's important because if you don't follow that, right, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go read other people's reviews before writing my own. And that's, whether I want it or not, it's going to influence my opinion on am I going to go yes or no. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, if you haven't seen the last episode of, well, you have seen it. For anybody who hasn't seen the last episode of the Go Beyond Resumes movement, uh, as uh, Richard Cho was saying, that usually it's not a clear cut. It's not a clear yes or it's not a clear no. It's usually in the middle. Right. Uh, when you come out of the interview.
1: right? And, and we're often, we want to build consensus. We want to agree and exactly. have a decision.
0: Exactly. So, yeah. so reading other people's opinion is one way or another going to influence your own. So right. making sure that you hide others' feedback mm-hmm. uh, right. before... You know, people write their own opinion is super important.
1: So that we can collect very independent view, and then we can have discussion, right, when you're meeting and debriefing on a candidate. Of course. But, yeah, let's...
0: Yeah, you can still have a debate. You can Mm -hmm. still have a discussion. You can still ideally try to come to some sort of a consensus. It's not necessary, but you can try to come to that. But making sure people come into the room with independent views of, like, what do I think about this interview is Mm -hmm. super important.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, number two, giving open-ended take-home assessment.
0: Yeah, so this one needs some elaboration. So, what's an open-ended take-home assessment, right? So, this is before interviews. This uh-huh. is usually happens before an onsite, or sometimes even before a like a phone screen.
1: Interview, yeah.
0: Uh, so with open-ended take-home assessments, usually people would say, like, here is a project. We want you to go work on that. And once you're done with that project, send it over to us. Yeah. Sometimes they say, this usually takes uh, engineers like two hours to complete. So mm. here is some guidance to you. Uh, but no actual time limit, right? So there's right. no, like, you know, you're going to start at this point, there's going to be a timer, that timer runs out, and then you're done. Right. Seems like a good idea on the, on the face of it, but mm. what actually happens is some people are like, yeah, well, you said it's going to take about two hours. I'm going to spend about two hours of effort on this uh-huh. and then be done with it and send you whatever I got. Mm-hmm. Others are going to try to put their best foot forward. Some who are a little bit more insecure about proving their skills. Some are a little bit more perfectionist, right? Yeah. I've seen scenarios where candidates would spend days Mm -hmm. completing take-home assessments and then send it over, and then a week later hear back uh, a generic rejection. Mm -hmm. Imagine how frustrating that is, right? And then companies complain about our Glassdoor reviews are saying that we have a horrible interview experience. I'm like, how would you feel if you spent two days completing Mm -hmm. a take-home project for somebody and then got a general generic rejection letter that said sorry you're not a fit right now.
1: Yeah. And I think it also kind of uh make it difficult for the evaluator who's evaluating those thecom tests to figure out like, you know, is that is that something that, you know, cuz it's not fair. Some people spend 2 hours, right. Some How spend do I know? Days. Right. Like yeah, did you so spend 2, two hours
0: this is to is this judge? your out in two hours of work or is this yeah. the output in two days of work yeah because right?
1: that's very impossible. different if somebody can do two days work in two hours you should yeah. hire that person <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. yeah okay so the last but not the least number one making resume review the first step of the hiring process
0: exactly so resume reviews are so biased right like so mm-hmm. so biased 90. 5% or even more people who are like, you're going to receive as an inbound applicant, they're not going to have a resume that stands out. And then every single person you ask, whether in the Bay Area or outside of the Bay Area, they'll say, top of the funnel is the biggest problem we have. Right. If top of the funnel is the biggest problem you have, mm-hmm. but then you reject 95% of the people that come through the door, it just defeats the whole purpose. Yeah. Uh, and of course, this works significantly better with like more generic roles, like general coding Uh, software developers or, like, new grads or Mm -hmm. fresh out of school or early talent. Yeah. Because instead of doing an initial resume review as the first step of the process, you can actually give them a fair and unbiased assessment Mm -hmm. to see how they perform on that.
1: Right. So start with you know, what they can do, not what they've done or what school they went.
0: Exactly, but even with more senior candidates who might be a little bit less sort of eager to complete assessments as a first step of the process, you can still do like a quick conversation with them and then still give them a somewhat of a generic assessment Mm -hmm. because everybody would take an assessment over a rejection letter, whereas most of the time people just get a rejection letter in the mail when they apply for a job or they don't hear back at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for the insights. And thank you for listening in. We'll see you next week.